Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get Woke. Everybody, about once a year, wish it was more, but only once a year, Senate Democrats hold an African American media roundtable. And that took place this past Tuesday. And want to share with you some of the things that were discussed, a whole myriad of issues. We're doing this in two parts, but a lot of senators are on this. You'll see the list of everyone's names in the podcast description and some of the topics that we discussed as well, both with myself and other African-American media. And be sure to check it out. Also, be sure that you register for the Selma Bridge Crossing Jubilee, the largest annual civil rights commemoration. And go on selmajubilee.com, get registered, and enjoy beginning tonight, Friday night, and through the weekend, the 56th anniversary Selma Bridge Crossing Jubilee. All right, so here's part one of the Senate Democrats African American Media Roundtable, and we'll have part two for you on Monday. Dealing with economic and racial inequality, in a very strong way. It's one of our highest, if not our highest priority. I like to say that, you know, when I speak about Martin Luther King, I say he hoisted a giant mirror on his shoulders and with his eloquence, his brilliance and his faith, he forced Americans to look into that mirror and America didn't like what it saw and that became the slow long path which we're still trotting on to uh, racial equality and respect and dignity. Well, COVID did the same thing. COVID showed America in a different way. It was a magnifying glass of many of the infirmities in our society. So most obviously, people of color died of COVID at a much higher rate. People of color got COVID at a much higher rate. Why? Because they have lousy health care. If you had a pre-existing condition and you were in a middle-class affluent suburb, 
uh, say, diabetes, it was treated. If you're in the city, in, in the inner city, no one gave a hoot. So we are trying to make up for all of that. And in the both in the December bill, in the December COVID relief bill, and in this bill, we've done some things. I wanted to highlight three things in the December bill that didn't get enough attention. One, we lifted the ban on Pell Grants for incarcerated people so that people in the prisons could study, enroll in a college course, a community college course, a vocational course, Pell would pay for it, and they could have a skill when they came out of prison and lead good productive lives. The second thing we did, you know, it breaks your heart when you see people saying goodbye through the, um, through the glass of a hospital window or uh, on Zoom children and grandchildren saying goodbye to their parents and grandparents. I just get teary-eyed when I see that. No hugging, no kissing, no touching. Goodbye. But then adding insult to injury, a lot of these poor families that lost jobs can't afford a burial, a decent funeral or burial. There is now money up to $7,000. We're spreading the word on that. Uh, we put that together. And the third thing uh, that was in the bill, that was in the first bill, and I fought hard to get this in, is money for our churches. <clears throat> the head of Dr. Richardson of the National Baptist Convention of the Grace Baptist Church in New Rochelle, uh, in Mount Vernon rather, uh, and the head of the AME churches along with Reverend Sharpton, Mark Morial said, our churches are going broke because there's no, no, no people are coming for services, no collection plate. We made sure that they were put in the PPP program. And many churches have gotten that money in the first round, they now can get it in the second round. Please spread the word on that because so many of the smaller churches haven't uh, been able to uh, access that money. And to help them and minority small businesses access these funds, we've created uh, $15 billion into CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions and Minority Development Institutions uh, that will help the small business as well as the small nonprofit, which we, of course can get PPP and the small churches, uh, they will help access them. And we will send you a list. There's a large number of CDFIs and MDIs in every community. Please spread the word on that as well. In the new bill, we do lots of things as well in the upcoming COVID bill. Maybe the most important is the doubling of the child tax credit in the EITC. And I want to give Sherrod Brown and Michael Bennett and Cory Booker huge credit for pushing that. It should do more to reduce child poverty and particularly poverty of children of color than anything that's been done in decades. And that is in the bill and it is huge. And one of our goals will be to try to make that permanent. It's for the time of COVID, but if we can make that permanent, we can dramatically change America. <clears throat> Very important. Second, the checks. We, in this bill, of course, the checks, which we wanted to be $2,000 in December, but the Republicans wouldn't let us now uh, go to uh, 2000 up to the it goes up to 2000 so it's an additional $1,400 per, per person in each family, uh, $1,400 for a person, $2,800 for a family of two, $5,600 for a family of four. And the third thing we do through the Biden administration and in the way is make sure, again, when the vaccines come about, and there'll be a huge amount of money to get the vaccines, that communities of color are put at the top of the list, not at the bottom. Here in New York, we're opening centers at Medford Everest College, at York College, in places that have been neglected in the past. 
so that the vaccines are fairly and equitably distributed. So we're working very hard in COVID relief to deal with the racial inequities, the bigotry, the racism that's so endemic in this country and trying our best uh, to correct it in some significant ways. I think I'll leave my conversation at that. I know there are lots of other issues that people will bring up, Amy, but I want to leave time for questions. And we've been joined by uh, Senator Coons and Senator Hickenlooper. I'll turn it over to Corey. Yeah, we, um, I just want to thank uh, Amy, as always, for her leadership and, and, and Senator Schumer, uh, especially in this time of uh, crisis and challenge. appreciate him uh, and how he's rising to the challenges and creating uh, a pathway forward to try to find, as he just indicated, such extraordinary relief uh, on a lot of very big issues. Uh, it is 11 minutes after the hour. I know how these go. Uh, I'm going to literally pass it over to Senator Warnock now because usually uh, uh, when we get to the questions for from the reporters, we're at, going at speed round and still trying to include a lot of senators. So uh, Senator Warnock, it's on you. I take note that Senator Booker got very concerned about the time when it was time for the Baptist preacher to talk. Uh, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful uh, uh, to be here with, with him and with Senator Klobuchar, uh, with Leader Schumer, uh, and all of my colleagues. And thanks to all of you uh, for joining us for this conversation. Um, uh, it is fitting that we are having this conversation uh, on the heels of Black History Month uh, and at the beginning of Women's History Month. Uh, I agree with Senator Schumer that uh, this COVID-19 challenge, while it has impacted all Americans and people all over the globe for that matter, it has brought into sharp focus longstanding disparities uh, and the need to focus sharply on issues of equity uh, and to make sure that as we put forward this legislation, um, that we strengthen our economy, we help all Americans, uh, but that we make sure that those who are most ma marginalized are centered in the relief that uh, we provide. Uh, let's be very clear that uh, I'm, I'm very clear that my historic election was made possible by Georgia voters. And I'm so proud of the great state of Georgia for sending me and John Ossoff uh, to the United States Senate, the first black senator from our state, first Jewish senator from our state. Uh, and just as uh, Georgia voters made uh, my historic election possible, as a consequence, Georgia voters uh, are the ones who have made this COVID relief package uh, possible. And so I'm very clear that they sent me here to deliver swift, fair, equitable solutions in every corner of our state to get us out of this pandemic uh, and to address this economic turndown, the likes of which uh, we have not seen uh, in decades. And that's why my top priority in the first six weeks of my tenure in the Senate has been passing the boldest relief package possible to help struggling Georgians uh, to help struggling Americans uh, and to get this done as quickly as possible. Uh, it is time for the Senate to get this over the finish line. Uh, we cannot wait another day. Uh, we've got to address uh, essential benefits like expanded unemployment insurance uh, that is coming to an end. Myself, um, to myself. Uh, 
uh, all of these issues need to be addressed. Importantly, uh, this bill delivers critical relief that not only gets us closer to finally moving past this pandemic and helps families, small businesses, and communities weather the current storm, but it also takes important steps to ensure equity in our recovery efforts and address long-standing injustices that have left some communities behind for far too long. And that's why I'm so proud to stand with Senator Booker, uh, as well as our colleagues, Senators Lujan and Stabenow, Stabenow to introduce uh, the Emergency Relief for Farmers of Color Act, uh, which we've worked to include in the relief package. This is federal assistance that will not only help farmers of color, but will also lift up the economies of our rural communities working to recover from the economic turndown. Uh, that's not all. This relief legislation also makes robust investments that will get more vaccines administered equitably uh, and swiftly, especially in hard-hit communities of color. Uh, this package will bring billions of dollars to Georgia to finally expand our Medicaid program and ensure that nearly 500,000 Georgians who are in the Medicaid gap finally have coverage. Uh, I came to this uh, capital as an activist, uh, arguing for Medicaid expansion. I've gotten arrested a couple of times fighting for it. Now I have a chance to translate my activism and agitation into legislation. I'm so proud that this package uh, will help Georgia to finally do the right thing and expand Medicaid. Uh, this package makes a historic expansion of the child tax credit and earned income tax credit, and we have a chance to cut child poverty in half. And those are just some of the highlights. Um, but I'm, I've heard from Georgians uh, about how hard this year has been, and I know that Senator Booker agrees with me when I say that we are ready for us to get this passed and this relief out of the door as soon as possible. We have not another minute to waste. Agree. Finally, finally I, I want to say that even as we are moving forward with this work, state legislators in Georgia uh, are working very hard to limit access to the ballot box, which is undemocratic and so wrong. Politicians in Georgia have decided that they don't like the outcome of this race, and so they're busy trying to choose the rules. We must be clear. It's not the job of politicians to choose their voters. It's the job of the voters to choose who will represent them. And so we'll be working very hard to pass the For the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, to restore vital voter protections and expand access to the ballot. And we'll be fighting every day to get this done. Thank you so much. Happy to respond to your questions. Excellent. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Corey now. I did want to mention, in addition to the other senators, Senator Gillibrand, Senator Cortez Masto, Senator Durbin, and Senator Kane have joined this uh, call. So you have practically uh, the entire Democratic caucus on this call. And with that, I turn it over to uh, Senator Booker. Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Incident after incident, year after year. Say their name. 
a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in Stand Your Ground states. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. We are humanizing these headlines, figuring out who these victims really were before the hashtags. Say their name. You can listen on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. No, I really appreciate that and, and look forward to getting to the, uh, to, to a com- into conversation. Um, I hope people will use the uh, hand-raising function if they can. I see April's um, uh, hand up, and if I don't see another hand up, I'm going to go right to Yamish uh, Alcindor uh, to, to go next. So, uh, April, I see your hand up. Yes, sir. Hello, Senator. Thank you. I am here. Um, thank you for doing this call. Um, I want to ask a couple of questions. One, uh, when it comes to the vaccine, is there a concern within the black community that uh, black people are still very uncertain about these vaccines that are flooding the zone? Is there a concern that herd immunity will not be reached at the time that uh, the Democrats and the president are hopeful? And then also when it comes to issues of statehood for Puerto Rico, as well as DC, what is the reality? Uh, for that happening uh, within this year. If you can answer those questions, thank you. Thanks, and I'm, I'm gonna just look to a senator that might wanna jump in or raise a hand. Uh, maybe Patty um, mm-hmm. on, the, on, the health, on the vaccine questions. Thank you, thank you. Sure, I'll, I'll answer uh, on the vaccine question, a critical, critical question. The, the answer is we can't leave out anybody when it comes to vaccination. If we want to get to herd immunity, if we want to control the spread of this virus, and if we want to get past where we are with this pandemic. So yes, within the funds that we have, we're making very sure, clear to the White House and through the funding itself on vaccinations that we address uh, the disparities that are out there and that we get these vaccines to places where uh, uh, black and brown folks can get them, where we can make sure that people with lower incomes have access to them, talking about community health centers, and a direct focus to make sure that um, there are people within those communities who are helping people to understand uh, why it's important to do this. So there is a huge effort underway to do that. Um, and the White House is very focused on this. And maybe Chuck, did you want to answer April's question on Puerto Rico and what's happening there? Yes. Well, you know, we supported um, S1. We made HR1 S1 because it's so, so important. And it has a whole bunch of different issues, as you know, but uh, among them are Puerto Rico and D.C. statehood. And let me just say that um, on these issues, I think the Democratic caucus feels very, very strongly um, that on D.C. D.C. is overwhelmingly for statehood already. And I think uh, they should become a state and we are going to do everything we can to see that that happens. Uh, On Puerto Rico, there's a little more division. In my state, for instance, we have two of the Puerto Rican members or two of the Hispanic members for a statehood bill and two for a different different process. Uh, uh, Richie Torres and (laughs) Adriano Espiato on one side and Nidia Velasquez and um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are on the other. So once Puerto Rico comes to a determination as to where they want to go, we will follow that determination. Um, but having, having uh, uh, them as states, obviously, um, will be very, very beneficial to the country and its equity. 
we have so many citizens in D.C. who um, should have the same rights as everybody else in terms of voting. And uh, we feel very strongly about it. We're going to push very hard to get it to happen. Thank you. All right. Uh, I, as we get ready to go to you, Misha, I just want to point out, as most of you probably already know, the average black American and Latino American have about 50, uh, have about half to 75 percent of the influence in the Senate that the average white American does. And that's because minorities are concentrated in, in certain states. Uh, and then you have states from Wyoming to Idaho that have very few minorities and have two senators. Uh, and so having D.C. and um, uh, Puerto Rico, majority black and Latino cities, or at least D.C.'s plurality uh, black majority minority, uh, would be go significant way in beginning to balance out um, uh, the, uh, the representation in the United States Senate. And I think a lot of my colleagues share that sense of urgency. Yamish, please. Thanks so much for having this, um, this, this Zoom. It, it's really, really helpful. Um, a couple questions. The first is, could you talk, someone talk a little bit about what should be happening when it comes to actually collecting the data on who's getting the vaccine? We're still seeing this data that shows that the, there is a, a missing data when it comes to how many people are getting the vaccine in terms of a racial breakdown. So I'm wondering if there's any sort of movement um, to, to make that more uniform. I'm also interested in, in asking um, Senator Warnock in particular, that with these voting rights, um, bills happening. I almost don't want to call them these voting bills, I'll say, happening in Georgia, but also in Arkansas and, and in other places. I'm wondering what can actually be done because Republicans have gotten have gotten really good at controlling state legislatures. So I'm wondering what the pushback is on all of that. And then my last thing is, Senator Schumer, since you're the one who's going to be obviously controlling the agenda of the Senate, is the policing bill going to get a vote in the Senate? And is the reparations bill going to get a vote in the Senate? Senator Warnock, really quick uh, with an answer, and then we'll go to Senator Schumer, and then maybe someone in the health area can answer the third one. Senator Schumer, do you want oh, to answer my first? Okay. Yes. That's fine. Uh, on that, yes, we, we strongly believe in the Justice in Policing Act. In fact, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and I, with the great assistance of Ben Crump, uh, helped put it together. It's a very strong bill. We are not going to settle for some you know, bill that does nothing and is symbolic as we opposed the bill last year that the Republicans put up. But this is this is a very, very high priority. And we will we we will work very, very hard to get it passed. We will have a vote on the floor on it. On the reparations bill, I'm a supporter of the reparations bill that Corey has in the Senate and uh, Sheila Jackson Lee has in the um, uh, House. Uh, an interesting little note, what brought me to that. Um, I was talking to a number of my staff and some of our uh, African-American staff made this point, which stuck with me ever since, which is that the vast majority of white people, even those who are very progressive, regard slavery as something that was historic and happened in the past. And so many African-American people live with slavery every single day up to this day. And when I heard that and thought about it, I said, we have to study reparations. So I believe it, believe in it. Uh, Corey, how many sponsors does it have in the Senate here yet? Um, so we've lined up a considerable amount of uh, sponsors. Uh, Chuck, if I could just give one level of nuance. 
uh, further because obviously we could get it to the floor for a vote, uh, Yamish, but the question is, is could we get it passed? Uh, we live in a nation right now where the danger to black Americans uh, from violence or even just uh, unjust uh, uh, stopping, uh, searching uh, and more uh, is is real and and my colleagues and I want to get something substantive that will make a real difference done. And so there are a lot of conversations going on uh, right now with House leaders and Senate leaders about is there a pathway to a real bill uh, that could get 60 votes on the Senate floor. Those conversations are ongoing uh, through this past weekend and uh, they'll continue because at the end of the day, we, we still live in, an, in a nation where what happened to Breonna Taylor, what happened to Eric Garner, uh, what happened to George Floyd uh, is still possible. And there are steps we could take um, uh, to, to make it not only harder to happen, but also uh, there are real steps we could take to hold officers who do horrible things against the, the law and our common values to better hold them accountable. So my goal is not to have a Senate vote with, that gets 50 votes, uh, but to have a Senate vote that gets something to Joe Biden's desk and in conversations with the White House, that's what they want as well. But one advantage we have, Yamiche, in this is when, when the House used to pass a bill, McConnell would just put it in you know, the graveyard, as we call it. Now we have the ability, both with the White House, but also with the Senate majority, tenuous as it is, we control hearings. So we can have lots of hearings on this and show the racial inequities that have been in policing for so long. And frankly, I'm not going to be afraid to put bills on the floor to show, you know, even if we don't have all the votes, although I certainly would defer to Corey, if we can get the votes for something really good, that's preferable. But to help build support, to put the bill on the floor and see where people stand. And that helps build support for it as well. We are not just going to say, uh, you know, the House passed it and we don't have the votes at this point. We're going to keep fighting and fighting till we get the votes. It's so important. Amy, if I might jump in on reparations a moment. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to just um, add, and as um, Senator Warnock was speaking about our legislation in the agriculture part of the COVID bill that uh, Corey's worked so hard on pieces on and something I've been pushing for a long time to move us forward on and move on and so on. I view that as an important piece of reparations because when you look at one of the very first ways uh, that, uh, that there was racial discrimination after slavery was legally abolished, it was land ownership lack of support for black farmers. When we look at equity, at one point, 14% of our farmers were uh, farmers of color. Now it's 2%. When we look at what's happened to heirs of people who uh, were discriminated against in terms of land ownership. So our provision in this package will eliminate all of the USDA loans and related taxes and penalties <clears throat> for black farmers and other farmers of color, which is very significant. And it also puts $1 billion into a broader effort that Senator Booker's been leading on his bill that relates to legal issues related to heirs, um, other kinds of issues. But this is just one piece, but I hope we don't overlook uh, these longstanding areas of discrimination and racial disparity on land ownership and farmers, particularly in the South. And I want to thank Senator Warnock for coming in and, and uh, you know, working with me to embrace this and 
and get it over the line right away. And he and Senator Booker now and Senator Luan are all members of our Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry Committee. And so it's, uh, I'm very excited uh, about broadening our perspective and agenda on that committee. Thanks, Amy. Mm -hmm. Amy, you want me to give a quick comment on vaccines? Yeah. Yeah. Yamish, thank you for asking that question about demographic data. This is absolutely critical. If we don't know who is getting vaccines, then we don't know if it's being <laughs> distributed equitably. I've been pushing for democratic demographic data collection since the CARES Act, since we all started talking about the possibility of this six months ago. And of course, the Biden administration inherited absolutely no plan on this. States were left to their own devices. And overall, with vaccines, the, uh, the issue of data collection was extremely challenging uh, because so many people were doing it so many different ways. Getting the, um, just the numbers back um, in an official way was challenging. But I am continuing to press on this issue and continuing to press that money we use for uh, vaccine di distribution, that we get data collection as part of that. So we know um, that this is being done equitably, and I will continue to do that. All right, I'm going to I'm going to continue to go through uh, uh, some of the great journalists we have here. I would ask the journalists uh, the multi-part questions <laughs> until the last 29 minutes we have. So, um, well, uh, let's let me res respond, Senator Booker, to the question <laughs> I think Demise <laughs> asked about voting rights. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So, so we've got a we're very focused on this issue. Uh, in 2013, of course, the Supreme Court. Uh, devastated the voting rights law and they kicked it to Congress said that they needed to fix it. That was 2013. And I have to tell you as John Lewis's pastor, uh, I was uh, insulted quite honestly to watch Mitch McConnell speaks so eloquently about what a great man John Lewis was as his body lay in state in the Capitol while knowing that he was sitting on his life's work, uh, refusing to put the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act for a vote, up for a vote. And without that protection, we're seeing what's happening in Georgia and in states all across this country. But in, in my state, uh, they're busy getting rid of Sunday voting. I wonder why. Is it because of the impact of black churches with delivering voters to the polls, getting rid of uh, make, uh, limiting the number of drop boxes? making it cumbersome for people to vote by mail uh, with these added ID requirements. Um, and they're doing all of this without any explanation. Um, they're unembarrassed in that effort to make it difficult for people to vote. Who thinks that we need less Americans voting uh, in this country rather than more Americans voting? And so uh, we've got to pass the For the People Act and we've got to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. We've got to make sure that uh, ordinary Americans have a voice in their democracy. And uh, we're absolutely committed to this. And I, for one, believe that we have to leave all options on the table uh, to make sure that we can secure voting rights. Voting rights are preservative of all other rights. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.